All right, how are we doing this weekend, Faith Promise? Come on. Woo! Man, an incredible weekend. What a serve day, 2019. 74 projects, 3,200 volunteer hours this weekend being the hands and feet of Jesus. Come on, give yourself a hand. Way to go. Way to go. At minimum wage, at minimum wage, the hours that were served this weekend helping many of our partners, it would be $25,000 just at minimum wage. So way to go. It was an incredible day. Groups served and, and just some awesome things happening. So great to see you. Welcome to all of our campuses. Welcome God Behind Bars. Man, I heard some incredible things last weekend and what God did, and so we're so excited. Who's ready for some transformation by God this week? Anybody ready for God? All right. So this weekend for many of us is going to be a before and after event because many of you will not be the same. God is going to do some things, going to reveal some truth, and there'll be changes in your life this week, and this will be a before and after. By the way, June, one of the most incredible months, record-setting attendance every single weekend, 195 kids saved at Summer Jam. It was an off-the-chart, come on, off-chart month. July, going to be the same way. Maxwell, you've already heard it. Maxwell, the last weekend this month, my personal friend and mentor, I'm on his board of his, of his uh, not-for-profit ministry equip, get to travel with him some. An incredible weekend. I believe that we're going to be a record, another record-setting month. Movement, movement is this week, and I'm believing God's going to do something incredible with our students. I believe students are going to be saved, going to be baptized, going to be called to missions and called to ministry, and just so excited. Let's pray for that right now. God, we come and we ask you to open the windows of heaven and God, pour your word out on us and that we would respond to the revelation. Father, we pray for all the student pastors, for our just global student ministry and movement this weekend, that students will be saved, they'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, they will be called to ministry and to missions, and faith promise will never be the same because what you're going to do this, this week in movement, this summer is going to be, has already just far and above what I could have already imagined. I can't wait to see what you're going to do. God, we thank you and just praise you in advance for life change. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. What an incredible time for revival. Where the Spirit leads. Man, that is our theme for the year as we follow the filling. By the way, we just finished, we just closed out the books. Our financial year ends June the 30th at church. Another Man, I'm just, I'm just another, actually the greatest financial year in the history of our church and giving set. Just incredible. So, hey, way to go. Give yourself a hand. Why do we follow the filling out of Luke chapter 4, verse 18? Jesus said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because. There's a reason why. Why is the spirit of the Lord? He said, because we would preach the gospel to the poor, that we would set the captives free, recover your sight to the blind, set free those that are oppressed, and proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Why is the Spirit of the Lord upon us? Because he wants to use us to bring him glory and honor. The Spirit is on us so that we can be spirit-filled worshipers, amen, so that we can be tools in the hand of the Father. 
so that we can be witnesses, so that we can live lives that honor God beyond what we could imagine. And two verses that just are pivotal in that is one of the first verses I learned and spent years and years in this verse is Romans 8, 8. Those that walk in the flesh, those that walk in the flesh cannot please God. Does anybody want to please God in the house? All right, so walking in the flesh can't please God. Paul said in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, he said, for I am crucified with Christ. Yet not I, but Christ that lives in me, in this life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we're not to walk in the flesh. When you're in the flesh, who's in control of your life? You are. You may give the devil control, but, but you are in control. That means you are first. When you're walking in the flesh, you're first. When you're walking in the spirit, who's first? God is. God is first. It's just part of that. So we crucify the flesh by putting God in his rightful role as Lord of our lives. We are called Christ followers. That means he's in front, right? That means he's our model. He's our example. We are to follow Jesus in, in every aspect of our lives. We put him first. It's one of our values. We put God first. It's our first value. And so growing as a disciple or a Christ follower is a complete surrender of every area of your life to Jesus. Every time he shows you another area that needs to be surrendered, we willingly surrender that area. David was a man after God's own heart, not because he was the holiest, not because he was the most perfect, but because whenever David saw an area of his life that wasn't surrendered, he was a rapid repenter, immediately. So people come to faith promise by the tens of thousands, and they come to Easter, or they come to a Christmas spectacular, or they come to a John Maxwell event or something we do, and God gets hold of their heart. Because many of them haven't been to God's gathering, the church, in years. God stirs on them. They love what's going on. It's alive. It's fresh. God's doing an incredible work. And then they just say, man, I really, I want to follow this Jesus. This is incredible. These people are different. This church is different. And then you get to the end of that service and you hear an offering talk. Offering. Remember that part? And you say, man, I want in. Man, I want in, but I'm, listen, I'm not going to get on that generosity journey just yet. I'm, on, I'm not going to get on that train just yet. Does this make sense? There are a lot of reasons why we say I don't want to get on that train. Even though we say God's first, he's really not first in our finances. Yeah, that's what I thought. And the re why is it? Well, we, man, we come to church. Our finances are messed up like a lot of other areas of our life. We got school debt. We got car loans. We got a house note that's too big. And we got all these bills piled up. And we're living really beyond the, that, the money that we make and we're in trouble. And here's the million-dollar question. If you're listening, Sam, does God understand that you just can't give? at this time of your life. I mean, think about it. See, remember, we, we're putting God first in everything. Well, except, except our money. You feel that? Y'all feel that? It grieves the Holy Spirit. 
This grieves him. We put God first. That, that value comes out of a deep biblical teaching all the way through this Bible that God comes first. The doctrine that God gets the first part, that it's God is the owner, that God is the Lord. And that what he wants to do is he wants to, us to get our priorities in order. Following Jesus, being a disciple, is lining your life up with the word of getting your priorities right. Because God knows we can get our priorities jacked up, can't we? Come on. I mean, they get so out of whack. I mean, God put Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. It was perfect. He said, do everything, anything you want. You have this whole garden is yours. This one area is mine. Don't touch that. What did they do? They touched that. God said, here's my part. Don't take that. And what do we do? We take that part. In the wilderness, God has just rescued the Israelites out of the Egyptian bondage for, four, for 400 years, and he gives them the big 10, the 10 commandments. And what is the first commandment that he gives them in Exodus chapter 20? Verse three, you shall have no other gods before who? Me. That means God is supposed to be where? First. He's got to be first in our hearts. And God knows that our hearts are idol factories. We're just cranking out idols to worship, aren't we? We have, I mean, we have TV shows, American Idol. I mean, it's everywhere. And if we could all be honest, there are things in our lives right now that are vying for first place, trying to edge God out like a basketball game, posting up against God and trying to elbow God out. Are you with me? And getting first place. That's why John the Beloved told us in 1 John chapter 5, verse 21, little children, little children, guard yourself from what? Idols, idols. If you want an awesome life, I'm not talking about surviving, I'm talking about thriving. If you want an adventure, if you want an amazing life, then you've got to put God first. Because see, putting God first doesn't help God. He already is first. You got that, right? He's not up there shaking his hand, oh my, oh, what if they don't make me first? No, he already is first. The deal is, you putting God first doesn't help God, it helps you. And the more that God is first place, the more blessed that you'll become, the more, the more favor you get to walk in. Well, how do I know if I'm worshiping idols? Do we even have an idol? Of course we do. How do I know what an idol is? An idol is that which you worship that gives your identity, that gives you security. It's what you run to when you're in trouble. It's what you seek first. It's the most important, most prominent thing in your life. And if we can be, if we can be honest the, the very, the biggest idol at Faith Promise this weekend that people battle against is money. It's not UT, maybe second or third. It's, it's, it's money. In Proverbs chapter 11, verse 15, the wisest man that ever lived said this, the rich man's wealth is his what? Hey, I, I'm good. I got plenty of money. I got my 401k. I'm loaded. I'm good. Stock market's good. New record last weekend. I'm good. I'm good. And it becomes our fortress. It becomes our idol. It becomes that which we run to. We seek first. It's that which we, gives us our identity and our security. But it is clear that there is a current that flows all the way through scripture that we put God first. Would y'all agree with that? If you go to Leviticus in Numbers, over and over, as God lays out the Levitical, the, all the stuff, he lays out an offering that he calls the first fruits offering. 
the first fruits offering. And it establishes that, that he is first. These, these Jews, these Israelites who've just been rescued still have a slave mentality, and he is trying to teach them, you put me first. In Exodus 23, 19, he said, you shall bring the choice first fruits of your soul into the house of the Lord your God. In verse 26, uh, he, in Exodus, he said, you shall bring the very first of the first fruits. Not just the first fruits, the very first. Are you with me? Do you think he's trying to get a point across? The first of the first fruit, the first of your tithe, the first of your income, the first of your harvest, the first of your produce, the first of the that are born to each animal in your flocks and in your herds, the first. I'm to be the first. Exodus chapter 13, verse 2 says this, saying to me, every what? Firstborn, the first of the offspring from every womb, the, every womb among the sons of Israel, both man and beast, it belongs to who? God establishes from, from Genesis through Revelation that he is what? First, that the, the earth is the Lord's and everything it contains. He just goes over and over. God himself gave us a first fruits offering when he gave Jesus to pay for our sins on a cross. He didn't give his last. He didn't give his leftovers. He gave his best. Are you with me? He didn't send an angel. He, didn't send, he sent his son to pay for our sins. And there's an enormous spiritual power and release of blessings in our lives when we put God what? First in our time, first in our money, first in our day, first in our worship, first in our ministry, first in our career, first in our marriage, first with our kids. He needs to be first. Now, some areas are easier to put God first than others. And money, as you can already have felt in all of your campuses this weekend, is one of the most difficult, if not the most difficult place to put God first. Why? Because the spirit of mammon that's attached to money, it's a spirit of greed. It was a Babylonian god. The spirit of mammon, it attaches to your money and it wants your worship. In fact, the New Testament, Paul says over and over, greed is an idol. It's worshiping of mammon. And if, you, if that's a new teaching to you, if you'll go back earlier in the year to a series we did called Shadow of a Doubt, weeks three and four, we cover the spirit of mammon and we cover in depth how that affects your life and your spending. So for today, our first fruits offering is typically, for most of us, going to be our paycheck, Right? We're going to take the first 10%, our first fruits, our tithes, and bring it to the house of God. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9 and 10. Many of you have memorized this. Honor the Lord from your, and from the first of all of your. Why? Because God's in a bind, heaven's hot, and God's laid on a house debt for heaven? No, so that your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. Is God greedy or needy? Is God insecure or demanding? Why would the God of heaven, who owns everything, require or ask anything of me? Why? I'm going to tell you why. God wants your heart, and God wants to bless you. But you tie your hands to blessing when you are stingy. Are you with me? Stingy. You tie God's hands well, I'm, I'm pastor, I'm not, that tithing's Old Testament. I'm not tithing. That's the legalism. That's the Old Testament law. I don't have to be a part of that. No, it's about life. It's not about legalism. It's about you. 
when every week or every other week or every month when you receive your check and the first thing you do when that check gets deposited is you write the check or however you give, Michelle and I give online, the second we do direct deposit that that check hits the bank, the second there's an automatic draft, the first thing, not another penny, because see, the first part's God's part, so I don't, I don't give a tithe last, we give a tithe first. And so we bring that first fruit, we, we, we come and we worship God and we give that. See, tithing is a test. God tests us to bless us. Satan tempts us to destroy us. And part of the test is who's going to be first? Who are you going to trust? Because when you tithe, it proves that you trust God. It's a test. Honestly, listen, if you're listening, say him. Tithing's a test of your spirituality. Because you can't be spirit-filled and greedy at the same time. Are you with me? Come on, y'all feel that? Come on can't be selfish. So when it comes to, to faith and you say, well, I, I already don't have enough money, pastor, and so you're telling me the first thing I need to do when I get paid is give God the first 10%. I mean, gross, not even net. That's what I'm telling you. I don't need backstroke. I don't hesitate. I just roll right in there with it. Man, I, I, I do. Because see, tithing is more than a test. Tithing is a doorway that brings greater blessings to your life. Now, would you rather have God's favor on 90% or 100% without God's favor? Romans chapter 11, verse 16, following on the first fruit, the first piece of dough is holy, then the lump, of, then the lump is holy also. If the root is holy, then the branches. So the first part, the first, God said, the first part is mine. It's holy. It is sacred. It's the sacred portion. When I take God's portion that he said is his, it's all his. When I take that sacred portion and give it to him, he blesses the rest. Does that make sense? See, we don't tithe because God's in a bind. We tithe because we need to tithe. And there are thousands that will be here this weekend at all of our campuses who have tried it both ways. And there, I, there, I dare say there are not going to be many people at this, at this church who said, you know, Pastor, I used to tithe and I just quit. But there'll be people come up to me all weekend long after this sermon and say, let me tell you what God's done. Let me tell you what God's done. You can't believe what God did in my life. I just want to walk around with a tape recorder and then just play that for the sermon. Because people think I'm supposed to say that. And Michelle and I, we, we feel like we can't afford not to tithe. Because we're not taking God's portion. See, that first portion redeems the rest. Does that make sense? <clears throat> and so I'm not giving the mortgage company the sacred part. Some of you wonder, why can my money so jacked up? Because you're taking God's portion and you're giving it to LCUB. You're giving it to KUB. You're giving it to the mortgage company. You're giving God's portion. Are you with me? You're giving God's portion to somebody else. God said, it's mine. It's holy. Don't give it to anybody else. God accepted Cain's offering because it was the first fruit and rejected he, he, he accepted Abel's, it was the first fruit, and rejected Cain because it was the last. In Matthew 6, Jesus warns us, seek ye, seek ye the kingdom of God and his righteousness and some of these things. Y'all sure? All of these things will be added to you. What is the all of these things? Houses and cars and clothes and food and everything that you need. 
If you'll seek me first, if you'll put me first, I'll take care of all this other stuff. Are you with? But when you choose to not put God first in your finance, you just choose to have your finances without God's favor. And some of us, if we can be so bold and so honest this weekend, are caught in mammon's mighty grip. The grip of greed, the grip of fear. And can I tell you, every week, every other week, when you write that tithe check or you give that, you let mammon know that God is first place in every area of your life. You'll not bow to mammon. You won't bow to the world. You're not going to bow to the culture. God is first place in everything. Now, some of you might be new, and this is sort of a new concept. You think, are you crazy? We don't, wait, we don't have enough money already, and you're saying I should give 10% of my hard-earned money? Yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying. I didn't stutter at all. I mean, it's so crazy. Let me give you a crazy Old Testament story. It's in 1 Kings chapter 17. 1 Kings 17, God calls the prophet Elijah, and he says, Elijah, the people are worshiping Baal. They're worshiping the ashram. They're not putting me first. Go tell them it's not going to rain until you say so. So the prophet goes, they had the king, says, king's not going to rain until I say so. Everybody laughed until a month and two and three and four and six, and now animals are dying. Now there's a famine in the land. Now there's no produce in the field. Nothing's going on. And God tells Elijah, hey, listen, go out by the, go by the lake. And every morning, I'm going to have some ravens bring you lunch, bring you breakfast. And every night, they're going to bring you dinner and drink water. You've heard of Meals on Wheels? This Meals on Wings. Every day, twice a day, God just flew Elijah's meal until the brook dries up. And when the brook dries up, he said, go to Zarephath. So now he's left Israel. He's gone to, he's gone to, the, to the Gentiles. And he says, don't you go there. And a widow is going to take care of you. So he goes to the town, the lady's out picking up sticks, getting ready to cook a meal. He says, excuse me, ma'am, excuse me, pardon me. Hey, would you bring me a glass of water? She turns to go get the water and she says, and by the way, bring me some bread. And she says, you may not know, sir, because you're new, there's a famine. Matter of fact, you see these sticks? I'm going to build a fire. I'm going to take the last piece of the last bit of flour and the last bit of oil I'm going to make a bread cake, and me and my son are going to eat that cake, and then we're going to die. That's how bad it is. You think your finances are in trouble? Probably not going to starve to death tonight. I'm going to die. And Elijah says the most ridiculous thing. I mean, it's crazy. Hey, hey, wait a minute. Do me a favor. I'm a man of God. Bring me mine first. Bring me mine first. (laughs) What do you think that widow thought? Are you insane? Did you not hear what I said? Yeah, listen. Listen, matter of fact, thus saith the Lord, if you'll do that, you'll put me first, that oil will not run out and that flower bowl will not dry up until it rains. And she did it. She, she brings him the bread. She brings, and the Bible says, the oil never ran dry. And the flower never ran out until God sent rain. Now, I know people say, especially if you don't have a church background, you don't know very much of the Bible when we talk about tithing, I know that it sounds crazy. It sounds about as crazy as Elijah telling the widow of Zarephath, bring me a bread cake. Like telling people to give that 10%, they can't pay their bills. Hey, is that crazy? Because what we think, see, we read the Bible and we almost sort of reinterpret it. Like, why didn't God send Elijah to a rich person? 
who had plenty of water and could have put him up in the house and gave him a room, why didn't God send Elijah to a rich person instead of this poor widow that didn't have anything? Let me tell you why. Because God didn't send the widow to provide for Elijah. He sent Elijah to provide for the widow. Because she obeyed God, because she brought the first portion, she lived when others died. Others died. Now, let me ask you a question. What if she would have said, you're smoking crack? I'm not doing it. And went home, and it would have been just like she said. Well, I have my bread. I'm going to eat it, me and my son, and she'd be dead. And somebody else would have gotten the blessing. Are you with me? Yet how many of us were nodding our heads yes, and when God says, bring me the tithe, we say, no, no, no. Are you with me? I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. Why did God do it? Because God wanted to provide for the widow, and God did it through the prophet Elijah. See, putting God first opens God's doors for his blessing and his favor. What mammon does, remember, it's, it's an Assyrian, it was an Assyrian God attached to money. What, and Jesus said that, you can't serve God and mammon. It was attached to money, it was attached to greed. What mammon does is blocks your sight. And he wants you to, he wants your worship, so he will coat the lie of don't put God first and you've got to take care of your family. Well, let me tell you, I'd rather have God take care of my family than me take care of my family. He's bigger, he's better. And, he, and we just get to walk in his favor. See, when you, walk through the, when you walk through this door and you begin to put God first in your finance, you, in, you enter into a principle of multiplication. God takes what you have and he multiplies it. He multiplied the oil, he multiplied the wine. The little boy brought his lunch and Jesus they, they bring it. He didn't say, let me eat what I want, and I'll give the leftovers to Jesus, did he? No, he gave him everything, and Jesus fed everybody with this little boy's lunch. And so, what would happen if you did, if, what would happen if God did for you what he did for Moses, Jacob, Abraham, and others? What if he showed up in all of his glory, and he says, listen, go ahead, get up, come on, get up, it's going to be all right, get up, listen, why don't you give me 10%? And if you do, I'm going to put my favor on your house, my protection, and you'll have more. What, do you think we would do it? Well, Malachi chapter 3, God said in verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there be food in my house and test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing until it overflows. Then I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of the ground, nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes, says the Lord of hosts. For 36 years, I preached this. And I have been utterly amazed at what God has done in and through people. It's crazy. I've been, I've been Utterly amazed at how people have given and what God has done. And I've been amazed on the other side of people who have said, hey, no, no, I'm out. I'm, I, I, no, I'm not doing it. And I just stand back and say, man, I, I, don't, I don't, help me understand. I just don't I, don't, I don't get that. Why would you say, I don't want those blessings? Why would you say, I want you to be first, God, in every area except 
the most important area of my life. Because for most of us, if we were honest, money comes first. It certainly does in our culture. So here at Faith Promise, we have four levels of giver. One is a beginner. People come and they just have given a couple times. They're just putting their toe in the water. Level two is a learner. They've decided I like it, so I'm going to put God in my budget. Number three is core. It's, it's, it's people that are giving at a level of 10%, bringing the whole tithe into the storehouse. And then there's the lavish people that have actually organized their life around the ability to give more. And that's how we've accomplished so much of what we do. So it really boils down to faith, and it boils down to ownership. We, we all, I use this too. We say things, this is my house, this is my car, this is my, this is my, y'all say that too? But actually when you're born again, really, whose is it? It's God's. It's God's house, it's God's money, it's God's car. We want to be obedient to you, God, and we want you to bless every area except my money. It's my money. It's not yours. I worked hard, and you're not getting 10% of it. God says, that's no problem. God's not wringing his hands, worried. He's all right. But while you're over here tight-fisted, you have rejected the favor and blessing of God. You just said, I don't want it. Are you with me? Can, can we trust God? See, giving is, is, is like salvation. Salvation is a transfer of ownership. There's been a business transaction. You were born, you walked in the flesh because you were first, right? Then you get saved, who comes first? God does. Why? Because now God owns me and everything I'm a part of, right? So salvation is not a, it's not a religion, it's an ownership transfer. And some of you come to church, some, or you may have grown up in church, but you know good and well you have never transferred the ownership of you to him. And he said, if you'll transfer the ownership, if you will confess me as Lord, then I will come in and fellowship with you and you with me. I'll write your name in the Lamb's Book of Life if you'll transfer ownership. And you know what? I trust God way more than I trust Chris. Are you with me? And so I trust God. So if you're ready to put your life in his hands, if you're ready to give him ownership, he's ready. Heaven's open. So to all of our campuses, campus pastors, if you guys would come forward at all of our campuses, just come on up and take over. So if you're ready to open your heart up to Jesus, online, God behind bars, with every head bowed and every eye closed, pray this simple prayer with us. We're going to pray it out loud with you. Dear Jesus, I've done it my way. I've owned it. I give me to you. You own me. I will follow you. I will obey you. Help me put you first in every area of my life. I surrender to your lordship. I confess that I have sinned and I repent. I put all my faith in Jesus. Now, heads bowed and eyes closed. If you prayed that simple prayer and you just transferred ownership of your life and heart to him, do me a favor, just slip your hand up. Hey, pastor, I prayed that simple prayer to slip it up. Hey, pastor, I prayed that prayer with you. Just a minute. We're going to give it another couple seconds. Come on. Yeah. Anybody else? Go ahead. Got it. Got it. Anybody else? Okay. All right, look up here. Our ushers just handed people all of our campuses a card about next steps. If you just raise your hand, you prayed that simple prayer with me. 
If you'll take this card along with our, all of our guests, fill the top part out. Just check the circle if you're a guest. I'm a guest. Uh, if you just gave your heart to Jesus, check the circle. I'm making a decision to follow him. Check the next circle that I need to, uh, I need to be baptized. And then I would encourage you, if you have not been to Next Steps, Faith Promise Next Step is your, I would encourage you to stay after this service. It's at 6.15 on Saturday night at Pellissippi and 11.30 at all the campuses, including Pellissippi on Sunday. Love for you to stick around, go to that. Uh, it will help you in a major league understand how to get more connected to God and how to get more connected to God's body. This weekend, we're gonna talk about the secret of spiritual growth going to give you some handles and, and just give some things to help you just learn to, commun to turn more of your life over to Jesus.